0: This show is brought to you in part by the University of Advancing Technology. UAT is a unique technology-infused private college that was founded by a geek for other geeks. Our mission is to educate students in the fields of advancing technology to become innovators of the future. UAT's campus culture is devoted to continually nurturing a thriving geek community where everyone's personal lives and professional aspirations revolve around technology. The beginning of the 21st century is an exciting time to be in the technology community. Current subjects of ongoing research and scholarship at UAT include robotics and embedded systems, artificial life programming, information and network security, game development, and other areas of advanced technology. Check them out on the web at www.uat.edu. Shoutcast streaming provided by Versus the World Productions. www.vtwproductions.com I am Gnomewise.
1: I
2: am
0: Gonora.
1: I am Iolite.
3: I am Daxa.
0: I am Grail. And I am Versus You. I am Versus You.
3: And I am Versus You. I am Versus You.
0: And I'm Versus you. And I'm you. Casually Hardcore. Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. GMT. Only on vtwproductions.com.
2: Hi, I'm Anthony, and I'm totally <laughs> Um So I'm about to introduce George Takei. Uh His career goes back to the 1950s, uh, where he was acting on in live television, he was on The Twilight Zone, um, and he was uh, acting with John Wayne, and then... Star Trek, obviously, we know Star Trek. and uh, But he kept busy all through the 80s and 90s on TV. He was on Heroes, working with Zachary Quinto. You might have heard of him. Um, and uh, uh, recently, he's uh, been working with Tom Hanks on a new movie coming out this summer called Larry Crown. He's on Super Ninjas, uh, which is on Nickelodeon. He's got a new play coming out. And with all that, he, he does all this activis- activism. He started in the 70s. He ran for city council. He actually came to my house um, in the 70s to ask us to vote for him. I was two. Um, So uh, I tried to vote for him. Um, uh, But uh, he was also, uh, you know, he's a delegate to the DNC. And most recently he's taken his activism to the Internet. He's an Internet superstar. He's got a new viral video with a million views in a week. So he's he's hip again. Nothing can stop him, and here he is, Mr. George Decay.
1: We on? Oh, here. Thank you very much, Tony, and thank you all uh, so bright and early on a Sunday morning. Why aren't you all in church? Or are you in church right now? <laughs> it's so good to see you, and so good to be here in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's uh, balmy and uh, warm, not only outside but inside as well. You guys are very warm and welcoming. And some of you are hot, as well. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, first of all, thank you all, um, particularly the uh, gray hairs and the shiny pates that I see out there, <laughs> because you are the ones that made it possible for us to get to this point in the year 2011, the 21st century, where we're celebrating, or this September, we'll be celebrating the 45th anniversary of Star Trek. Isn't that something? And it's the gray hairs and the shiny pates that uh, have been with us for that long. So thank you all very much. But the wonderful thing about this whole Star Trek phenomenon is that we do have not only the next generation, but the generation after that now, we have the third and fourth generation that, uh, that show up at conventions and that uh, are avid supporters. Uh, so it's not just the gray hairs and the shiny pates. Uh, you you guys are all giving us a future as well, and the future I think, despite all the challenges that we've had, looks very good. And I see it with the people here at the convention. You know, yesterday the people that I saw really reflect one of the key uh, ideals of Star Trek, infinite diversity in infinite combinations. I saw so many wonderful people that uh, have so many wonderful stories to tell about themselves. I saw uh, a young couple with uh, two Asian little girls and an Asian little boy that they were carrying, uh, which represents part of what uh, Gene Roddenberry wanted to see. And I see certainly all of the diversity of America uh, here at this convention. And um, those people that uh, want me to say, oh my, (laughs) (laughs) represents that other diversity that I found on radio, of all things. But this is the 21st century uh, radio. It's not terrestrial. It's satellite. So... uh, That's connected me with a whole different new audience. And uh, thank you all, and good to see some of you here. They want me to sign to Joe, oh my. Makes it so much more simpler. (laughs) I used to write Galactic Greetings or Live Long and Prosper, but I love, oh my, because it's so easy to write. (laughs) And so I want to thank you all for the many, many gifts that you've given me and uh, we have a great future and we're gonna work together as Gene Roddenberry uh, envisioned, you know, because he said the uh, Starship Enterprise was a metaphor for Starship Earth. And the strength of this Starship lay in its diversity, coming together and working in concert as a team for a common goal. And that's what I sense happening here. And yes, there is a lot of diversity and there are a lot of different ideas, and I'm all for free speech. I think you know, we should all exchange ideas and keep our minds open, but what I am strongly against is people who want to pass laws to muzzle other people. That is against what a core American value is about. I hear it all here. This is the kind of uh, audience that uh, really understands what Star Trek was all about. So with that preface, let's begin our conversation. I'll hand it back to our maestro. Thank you, George. Um, well, let, let's, let's start, I've got a
2: couple questions, and then after that we're gonna take some questions from the audience, so if you wanna uh, line up at the mic um, over there. And uh, if you want to send me a question over Twitter, send it to @trekmovie from your seats, and I'll I'll try to get it in the queue, as it were. But let's start with what you were just talking about, George, uh, about your activism. Um, I mentioned uh, you're all over TV this week. You're on MSNBC. You're on the CBS What's Trending, which I guess means you're trending at this point, um, where you got planked. Does anyone here know what planking is? Anyone? I didn't know until that. So, George was planked. It was pretty graphic, I thought. No, it's... A, it's um, uh, uh, planking is... Uh, why did, uh, l- let's first say... You were talking about... Um, uh, oh God. George, can you... Uh, no, no, no. It's, uh, planking is when you sit really straight on something and someone takes your picture. And, the, uh, and I
1: really don't understand what it's all about. It's uh, uh, lying straight with your face down for just a few seconds. I mean, you know, what's the point? I really don't get some of these crazy trends that happen. But, <laughs> and one person I'm told even died because he uh, laid down straight on a slanted roof and he started rolling and fell off. I mean, it's, it's a, a crazy, it's nonsense. <laughs> it's not worth dying over. And what uh, Chris Hardwick did was uh, lie flat on the back of a sofa with his face down, or actually his face on my shoulder, and that got applauses. I mean, anyone can do that. (laughs) Anyone, George? (laughs) You especially. (laughs) Here's the back of the chair. Now, Plank, I'll give you my shoulder. All right. Um... (laughs) No, I guess everyone can't do it, right, Tony? Not everyone
2: <laughs> so the um, you put out this viral video about a week ago, um, where you discussed something you were just talking about, but let's I want to hear more about it There's a there's law in Tennessee, and so uh, where people are they're discussing whether or not it's okay to discuss being gay in schools and you, you thought you'd make some fun of that, and, and you created this video, and you got a million views, or, and, and you were on TV, on the news channels, and you're kind of creating buzz. Do you think that we've turned a corner, and do you th- how do you think the internet has changed? So tell people about the video, and do you think that the internet is really making a difference and changing
1: perceptions on these kinds of things? Well, I do believe that uh, change is happening, and we are making progress. But there are always the cavemen who never learn from our history. Because in 1925 in Tennessee, we had another big national debate. It was on evolution. It was called the Scopes Monkey Trial. And we had two great attorneys, uh, both of whom ran for president's, Uh, Clarence Darrow and William Jennings Bryant, who uh, debated uh, because in Tennessee they were trying to silence the teaching of evolution. Well, deja vu all over again in the 21st century. Uh, It is not law yet. You said law, it's not law. It's just uh, the uh, Tennessee State Senate that passed uh, a bill uh, outlawing the use of the word gay, and any discussion of homosexuality by teachers from middle school down. Now, certainly there's you know, age-appropriate conversation. But to, uh, to try to pass a law criminalizing speech is outrageous, because we have the Constitution of the United States. I mean, all Americans mostly should know about the First Amendment, the freedom of speech. Well, these legislators, when they took their oath of office, are supposed to have taken their oath of office on the Constitution of the United States. They apparently have not read it because <laughs> the uh, Senate bill says that teachers are forbidden. If they uh, use the word gay or any, have anything to do with... Uh, homosexuality in their uh, discussion, they are penalized, I think, thousands of dollars. I mean, they're making it a criminal offense. Uh, This was passed by the Senate, but it was not passed by the uh, state uh, house, so it's not law yet, and we want to squelch it uh, while it's in the bud. But I, I thought it was ridiculous, and the best way to fight this kind of ignorance is to make a mockery out of them. So I said, uh, in this uh, uh, YouTube PSA, my name, Takei, rhymes with gay. So in Tennessee, if teachers want to use my name as a substitute for gay, they're more than welcome to do that. (laughs) And so I suggested they can... Proudly support, uh, takay marriage, <laughs> or they can proudly march in a takay pride parade. <laughs> and this coming holiday season, they can sing, "Don't we now our takay apparel?" la 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 la. And so, speaking of apparel. It's okay to be the <laughs> So that's uh, the history behind that uh, YouTube. Um, and uh, Rachel Maddow really loved it, and she talked about it on her TV show, and uh, that got us another billion twi- uh, retweets. And, and you're selling the shirts and buttons? Uh, yes, and all the uh, profits go to uh, charity. To support uh, LGBT uh, organizations and causes.
2: And the uh, where can people? What's the uh, URL? To,
1: what's where can people go to get the? Uh, it's okay to be k No capitals, no spaces. It's okay to be Or you can go to my website, and there's another uh, 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 a click you can do to get directly to the uh, source.
2: Now, uh, so we were just talking about what you were doing this week. Let's go way back. Yes, sir. Um, uh, You made a movie called Hell to Eternity with uh, Jeffrey Hunter um, in the
1: 60s, early 60s. Uh, Actually, it was in the late 50s. Late 50s, late 50s. Um, And I was there at that same studio. uh, That was an Allied Artist Production. I was just there a couple of nights ago to do a a TV uh, fundraiser for, uh, as you all know, on March 11th, there was a horrific... Uh, magnitude 9 earthquake uh, off the coast of uh, northeastern Japan. And then that was followed by an incredible tsunami. I mean, you saw the ocean rise and it became a wall of w- uh, water that came uh, rolling in and then it started to engulf boats out there and then it got uh, came to land and engulfed the uh, trucks and buildings and factories and ca- and people and rolled in it was i mean it was almost si- uh, science fiction and then the uh, tsunami uh, did uh incredible damage to the uh, nuclear power plant and there was that uh, terror of uh, that silent terror of nuclear radiation i mean it was uh, a calamity on top of a catastrophe upon uh, a disaster and uh, so i did a psa urging people to uh, Uh, send aid to uh, the people of Japan. It was still winter there in northeastern Japan. It was still snowing. And they had no shelter, no drinkable water. I mean, it was water that destroyed them, but there was no drinkable water, uh, very little food. And many of them had lost not only their homes, but their entire families. I mean, the need was desperate. And... uh, So the immediate need was great then, but now the need is for the rebuilding of the uh, infrastructure. So I was doing a uh, uh, television PSA at that very studio where I did uh, *Held to Eternity. It was called Allied Artist Studios then, and now it's called KCET, a local uh, uh, television station. And uh, so it was deja vu there, too. I guess if you live long enough, you're going to have a lot of deja vu kind of experience.
2: Um, and that film starred uh, Jeffrey Hunter and, and, you know, the dirtier Star Trek fans out there will recognize his name as the original Captain Pike from The Cage. Um, and the very first
1: pilot. Right. There were two pilots. Maybe. Right.
2: Now, famously, Jeffrey Hunter wasn't interested in coming back for the second pilot. Opening the door for William Shatner, um, who became Kirk, obviously. So here's a a question for you. You worked with Jeffrey Hunter, you worked with William Shatner, you were there when when the decision was made.
1: I uh, worked with Bill Shatner after we did that for a second pilot, and before the pilot was sold, I did a thing called, uh, uh, it was called Alcoa Playhouse, and Bill played. a uh, um, Schweitzer-like doctor in the jungles of Southeast Asia and I played uh, a young attorney uh, with a British education and it was a British uh, crown colony so I had one of those white wigs (laughs) and black uh, outfit and uh, we talked about whether that pilot for this sci-fi thing is gonna sell or not. So uh, yes, I worked with both Jeffrey and uh, Bill before Star Trek became an actual series so
2: someone you know you know the actors, you obviously know the show do you do you think that Star Trek would have been the success it was if Jeffrey Hunter, who's a great actor, he played Jesus, so he's got to be good, right <laughs> um, uh, do you think it would have been the success it was if he said, "You know what, I will do it, I will come back for that second pilot, or do you think that that Shatner is
1: what was needed. Well, you know, actors are important in projects, uh, but the core of what uh, contributes to the success of a series, I think, is the uh, idea, the story, and uh, what it's all about. And it's really Gene Roddenberry that made Star Trek the great success that it was. Jeffrey is a wonderful actor and a very good-looking guy, and a nice guy too. And I enjoyed working with him. Uh, and you know, Bill is a uh, singular kind of actor, and he has his own quality. And <laughs> uh,
2: I, what does that laugh mean? Singular, his own kind of quality. <laughs> Come on.
1: Well, don't you all agree he yeah, is no, no, singular? Yeah. <laughs> Thank God there's no other like him. <laughs> I think we speak the same language. You understand. I'm trying to be, um, um, how do I put it? Um, uh, what? Nice. Diplomatic, uh, kind of, you know, tangential. Uh, um, I'm trying to be, yes, you said it, nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, and, and I think that's such a wonderful part, any good actor, and I'd like to have seen Jeffrey continue with it, because he would have brought his own quality uh, to it. But what made Star Trek this long-lasting success is that core idea, the vision that Gene Rodberry had of the human future, you know, saying that if we have confidence in our problem-solving capabilities and our ability to invent and... Uh, innovate then we will be able to boldly go where no one has gone before and it was that that connected with all of you I think and that's why um, you have stayed with us for 45 years and uh, you know at this point now at 45 years I'm really looking forward to the golden anniversary it's for only five more years so let's all gather together in five years to celebrate the 50th anniversary
2: I'm going to ask another question, and then we'll go out to the audience. So, um, I know you're trying to be nice, but let me ask you again about...
1: I think the word <laughs> I was searching for was circumspect.
2: <laughs> Obviously, you and Bill have had your differences. They've been aired on The Tonight Show and on Conan, and, you know, so it's... it's and Howard Stern. And, uh, certainly on Howard Stern. Um, and recently, and you're not—you know—you're not the only. One. Obviously, um, Walter Koenig, uh, your co-star, and others have had voiced issues in the past. Now, Walter recently appeared. I don't know if you had a chance to see it.
1: No, I have not. People have told me about it.
2: But it was very interesting. Bill Shatner has a show on the Bio Channel called um, Shatner's Raw Nerve. And He's been
1: trying to get me on it, and I have. Uh, Diplomatically been passive.
2: Well uh, I, I just that's that's really what you should watch the one with Walter. Walter really um let him have it. And uh, you know, he talked about scene stealing and all sorts of stuff. And Bill like was like, Really? You guys He still doesn't get it. But he
4: <laughs>
2: But he but here's the thing. He he apologized. Bill actually so, so I said, like, you know, maybe maybe now's the, I mean, you know, so do you think you'll reconsider and, and have a bury the hatchet session
1: with Bill? Let me tell you something about it. Um, when uh, Brad and I uh, decided to get married, we uh, wanted to be inclusive as possible. Uh, again, you know, the Star Trek philosophy. And yes, we, Bill and I have a history, but, you know, we didn't really want to bring that kind of... Uh, tone into our wedding, because a wedding should be a happy, joyous thing. So we sent invitations to all my colleagues uh, from Star Trek, as well as our larger sphere of uh, friends and relatives. Um, they all responded, they um, civilly you know, RSVP'd, except for one. Bill never RSVP'd. But that's typical of Bill, because uh, we've all had many other occasions when we uh, sent out invitations to everybody and Bill never, ever showed up. Or, or particularly Star Trek l- related events like if any of us got a star on the uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame. You know, we invited all our colleagues there and we all went to celebrate and, uh, and uh, uh, say good things about each other at the uh, ceremony where the uh, stars unveiled Except Bill. Bill never shows up at those things. And so when Bill didn't uh, RSVP, we thought, well, that's typical, it's a classic Bill. And so we didn't think anything of it. But a month after the wedding, he goes on the internet publicly to rant and rave about George not inviting him to our wedding. We were absolutely mystified, you know, because he did get an invitation. And he goes around, you know, he says, there must be something psychotic. I mean, he's a psychiatrist now uh, he, the, about George uh, not sending him an invitation. And so we were absolutely baffled by this until we were driving down Sunset Boulevard and there was a huge billboard advertising William Shatner's new talk show, William Shatner's Raw And I said to Brad, that's why he ranted and raved publicly. He needed publicity. He needed attention. You know, so he will, st- there's no bottom to how low he'll stop. Stoop. <laughs> he won't stop. He'll stoop. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, there's, there's no point for me to go on a show that he controls and he can edit to his heart's content. He can ask the questions that he wants. You know, it's his turn. And I see no reason for me to tread that turf.
2: Well, uh. okay. Maybe Howard could get you both on. Okay, so let's start taking questions.
1: On that note. On that note. <laughs> Hi.
2: You're live, hello. I can hear you. Okay. Uh, I'm Casey from Down the Road Show, and I like to ask all the guests on my show the same barrage of questions, real quick answers. Who's your favorite superhero? Who's your favorite villain? And as a publicly Takei man. <laughs>
1: Good for you. Who's It's your per- okay to be decayed.
2: Exactly. Who is your personal hero in life? Who inspires you every day?
1: My favorite superhero, which uh, I gather is from uh, the uh, comic uh, hero uh, realm. Is uh, Superman uh, the classic? And you just made I my had day. I a wonderful collection of uh, Superman comic books that uh, from my boyhood. Uh, they weren't first editions or anything like that, but they were just you know one uh, uh, comic books that I enjoyed that I collected. But when I went off to college uh, and came back uh, on uh, summer uh, holiday, my, I discovered that my mother had given it to the uh, trash man because. <laughs> You know it was an uh, old newspaper that <laughs> that was there. It was heartbreaking, so uh, that was um, my uh, uh, bo- uh, college year dis- uh, disappointment about uh, superheroes. Uh, my favorite villain uh I don't know whether I have a favorite villain or not. <laughs> no, he's not. That bigger than life. <laughs> uh, he's, he's still human. Uh, let me give some thought to that. Who inspired your hero? In life? My personal hero is uh, my father. Because um, I really think I had a very special man for my father. Um, my father was certainly of his generation, you know. Uh, a Japanese-American of that generation. And to um, be broad-minded enough to... Uh, he wanted me to be an architect. Uh, and so, like a good son, I started studying um, architecture at Berkeley. But after two and an, uh, two and a half years there, I just couldn't... Uh, you know, my, the, the, the theater and acting fire was in my belly. And the more I got closer to... Uh, that decision point where my career commitment would be uh, as an architect. I I didn't want to give up that opportunity to give myself that chance to uh, test my wings. And so I uh, came back to Los Angeles and uh, I said to my father, I want to go to the Actors Studio Daddy and uh, study where all the great ones came from, Marlon Brando, Montgomery Clift, James Dean, And uh, he said he knew this discussion would be coming up eventually. And um, he uh, he was prepared for a uh, deal for me. He said, uh, you want to go to actor's studio, that's a fine acting school. But when you finish there, they won't give you a diploma that says you're a legitimately educated person. He said, here in town in Los Angeles, there's a fine theater arts department at UCLA And when you finish there, they will will, will give you that piece of parchment, that documentation. But you're a bullheaded kid, and I know you're going to insist on going to New York. So let me remind you, New York is a crowded place, a very competitive, competitive place, and a very expensive place. And you have to be prepared to do it all on your own. But if you go to UCLA... And that's where your mother and I want you to go. Then we will subsidize you. So you decide, New York on your own, or UCLA with subsidy. I discovered I was a practical kid. (laughs) I went with a subsidy. But, you know, few fathers of that generation would uh, have that kind of open mind and... uh, Willingness to support my, what I really wanted to do. Because he knew who, he, uh, who I was. He knew that he was saddled with a ham. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, he had to make that compromise on his part. And so I'm eternally grateful for that. But even more than that, you know, I spent four years of my uh, childhood in two barbed wire internment camps. A US, two U.S. internment camps, one in the swamps of Arkansas and another on the uh, uh, Northern California border between uh, Oregon and California. And many people of my father's generation were very embittered by that experience, you know, because we were innocent. We had done nothing wrong. We were just, you know, people who looked like the people who bombed Pearl Harbor. And because of that, the, this government did one of the most egregious things, uh, a violation of our Constitution. There were no charges. There were no trials. Simply because we looked like this, they rounded us up and put us in, into these barbed bar wire prison camps. And, and my father was one of the few. When, when I became a teenager, I asked him a lot of questions about that. And he said, despite all his experiences uh, and the loss and the pain that he uh, went through he said both the strength and the weakness of American democracy is in the fact that it's a true people's democracy and it can be as great as the people can be but it's also as fallible as people are and that's why good people have to be actively engaged in the political process holding the ideals of this government you know, to the fire uh, and, and make this a better country. Well, thank you for that for, on behalf of my father. He was a wonderful man, and in many ways, I think he was a great man. And because of his good guidance, you know, I am active in the political arena as he uh, uh, guide, guided us to be. Both my brother and I, my father encouraged us to be active in student government as well. And we were both student body presidents, and uh, I am still actively engaged in the political arena, in large part because it's a tribute to my father and his belief in American democracy. Thank you. I think we're all happy you guys compromised. Thank you.
4: Mr. Takei? Welcome to, to Phoenix. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. The we last love time I- the, uh, Arizona. We've
1: got a place up in the White Mountains as well, so I feel like I'm a citizen of Arizona as well.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last time I saw you was... Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I vote in California,
1: alas. But, you know, if we can... Uh, Expand my voting rights to Arizona. I'll run for office here.
4: <laughs> Thank you. Well, the last time I saw you, uh, was 1976. I was in high school. It was at the last great uh, true Star Trek fan fest at the old Commodore Hotel next uh, to, uh, yes, next yes. to uh, Grand Central Station. Right. And uh, I cut class that day to be there. Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> I was also going to ask more about, uh, from, uh, uh, about the movie H- uh, Hell to Eternity. How did that impact your career, you think, since you did work with Jeffrey Hunter? And also, on a personal level, what that meant to you. And I know you're working on a play about your time in that internment camp. If you could tell us more about that. Well, uh,
1: <clears throat> the um, movie Hell to Eternity with uh, Jeffrey Hunter and David Jansen and Vic Damone and Sesshu Hayakawa, uh, the um, Japanese actor who got an Academy Award nomination for uh, *Return* for, uh, uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai, uh, was a wonderful experience for me working uh, with these actors. But it was also a historic film in that it was the first Hollywood film to deal with the internment of Japanese Americans. The story was about a uh, young Mexican-American who, uh, grew up with, uh, in fact, almost was adopted by a Japanese-American family in East L.A., where I was born. And, uh, uh, you know, can you imagine a Mexican-American being played by Jeffrey Hunter? Uh, <laughs> and uh, so he understood uh, the, uh, the Japanese language and also the Japanese culture. And, uh, and uh, uh, when uh, his family was interned, uh, he considered his adoptive mother, Japanese American mother, uh, his mother, and he visits the uh, one of the internment camps to uh, visit uh, his adoptive mother. So this was the first film, a uh, Hollywood film, to deal with that uh, dark chapter of American history. Uh, so it was a very important film. Uh, but when I wrote my autobiography, and the first third of it is about the my boyhood in those two uh, U.S. internment camps, um, and I did a nationwide tour, I discovered that the people east of the Rockies, who seem otherwise informed, educated people, uh, came up to me and said, I had no idea something like this happened in the United States. In large part because our history books are rather mute on uh, the internment of Japanese Americans. And so I've always had in mind the idea of turning the uh, first third of my autobiography into a script, either for the movies or television. But um, I met a wonderful uh, uh, composer-lyricist, and he sold me on the idea of doing it as a musical. You know, people might think, uh, you know, a a story on the internment of Japanese-Americans as a musical, because we think of musicals as a happy, singing, dancing sort of thing. But we've had some powerful and enormously successful Broadway musicals uh, that deal with serious historic issues, like Les Miserables, uh, that's about the French Revolution, or uh, Miss Saigon, which is about the Vietnam War. And we've had some uh, other successful musicals that deal with uh, rather um, unpleasant subjects, like Sweeney Todd, you know. uh, (laughs) Uh, a murderous uh, barber who slits the throat of his customers and then they take the meat from the dead body uh, and uh, bake it into a meat pie, which is becomes enormously popular so uh, uh, I understood what uh, this guy was telling me that you know you can reach both the heart and the mind via music, and he um, created some uh, sample uh, songs for me, which was. Deeply moving. So, for the last three years, we've been working on uh, developing this musical called Allegiance because it was our allegiance that was questioned by this government. Uh, And uh, uh, we've had um, three um, uh, readings of it. Um, The first one we did was at the Japanese American National Museum in Los Angeles, testing it with the hardest, most critical audience. Uh, people who went through that experience itself. And at the end of it, there, was, there wasn't there was a dry eye in the audience. And then we did another one in New York, and we got uh, Leia Salonga, who won a Tony Award uh, for Miss Saigon, uh, uh, in one of the uh, uh, pr- uh, principal roles. And it went over uh, terrifically in New York as well. We've had another reading in New York, and so we... Uh, uh, are going to open next summer, not this summer, but the summer of uh, 2012, which is the uh, 70th anniversary of the signing of Executive Order 9066, uh, the presidential order that justified rounding us up and putting us in in these prison camps. Uh, We're going to open uh, in the summer of uh, 2012 at the uh, Old Globe Theater in San Diego, which isn't that far from uh, Phoenix. So y'all come down, we open in, uh, in July. And then, in the fall, we take it to New York and the Great White Way, that big wide stage of Broadway. So we're really excited about this. Remember the title, Allegiance, and remember the uh, theater, the Old Globe Theater, that wonderful theater that sent many uh, musicals that became uh, big hits, uh, The Full Monty, Opened at uh, the Old Globe. Uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels uh, opened there. Uh, they were uh, the typical musical comedy, you know, singing and dancing and uh, a little nudity uh, in full, the full Monty. Uh, it wasn't a little nudity, it was total nudity in that one. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's where we're going to open and it bodes well with all that kind of success that they've had. So y'all come down to San Diego in uh, 2012 and then if you want to come all the way to New York, uh, come to Broadway and see Allegiance with uh, me, with Leia Salonga and a wonderfully gifted uh, composer-lyricist's work, Jay Kuo. He's going to be, be the next big sensation on Broadway. I think uh,
2: we've got uh, m- George maybe for five more minutes. We probably have one question maybe, two <laughs> left. I'll make it short. Thanks for the pressure. <laughs>
3: As nope. an out, proud lesbian nerd, I just want to thank you. Bravo, um, bravo. Now, I actually have a question. I have a small YouTube show called Nerd Chick, and my viewers asked me to ask you this question because I had asked them. Quick story, I had a dream the other night that was slightly romantic, involving the cast of Doctor Who. (laughs) Deal with it. The problem was, it wasn't with who I thought it would be, it wasn't Amy Pond, it was the Doctor. Now, I woke up and to quote you was, oh my. (laughs) Here's my question that I asked the viewers and they've asked me to ask you. Is it possible that being a nerd can trump being gay? (laughs)
1: it's okay to be a nerd gay or gay nerd (laughs) you can be both in equal parts
3: so the question is is there anyone nerdy enough to make you go maybe
1: (laughs) as Bach would say There are always possibilities.
2: (laughs) Uh, Real quick, first
0: I want to thank you
2: for all the wonderful charity work you've done for the LGBT community, the the people of Japan, and everybody that you've helped over the years. Thank you very well, much. Well, we're all in this it's together. And uh, I want to ask you about Super Ninjas. How did you actually get involved
3: with that project?
1: Well, you know, uh, it, it came at me in dribs and drabs. Uh, I also support an um, uh, Asian American theater company, which is the oldest minority uh, uh, theater company in, the, in America. There, there was an African American company in uh, New York, in Harlem, Uh, But they went belly up, unfortunately. And so uh, the East-West Players of Los Angeles became the oldest minority uh, theater in America. And uh, uh, I was at uh, their annual uh, gala dinner uh, two years ago, I think. And I met these two guys who came up to me and said, uh, they're developing a uh, series, uh, and uh, they're thinking of me as the ninja master. And I, I thought, oh, that's nice. Well, thank you very much. Because many people come, come up to me with ideas, you know, that uh, don't go anywhere. And so I thought it was going to be something like that. And then um, last year, I did uh, a commercial for Sharp Television, in which I also used, oh my, because, <laughs> you know, it's a common phrase. And it, was, it seemed appropriate. But apparently, uh, people took it in the Howard Stern context, and uh, it became very popular. And uh, 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 again, uh, I bumped into one of them, and uh, they said, uh, they're developing it. And I thought, oh, well, that's fine. They're still with it. And then uh, my agent called uh, late last year and said, there's an offer for me for this uh, new series called Super Ninjas and uh, they want me to uh, be the ninja master. And I I thought, oh, so this is what they were talking about. So it it was about uh, the last two years that I kept getting uh, word about that. And uh, last year we did the um, pilot, and then you know, there's always that pins and needles season. Is it going to sell or isn't it? And uh, it did sell. We started filming this February, and we've been having a great time. In fact, as a matter of fact, We're filming it at Paramount, just two sound stages down from where we did Star Trek. Star Trek was on stage 31, that's where the Enterprise was, and on stage 32 was where uh, the alien planet surface was. And uh, two stages down is stage 24. They don't follow numerical order. And uh, that's where uh, our ninja dojo cave is. And that's where I inhabit. And uh, I become a hologram. And my grandson and his uh, buddies call me holograms. And so (laughs) (laughs) I've had kids come running up to me uh, uh, yesterday, saying, holograms, holograms. (laughs) It's so refreshing at a a convention like this, where everybody calls me Sulu. (laughs) I have a new identity. And these kitties are ensuring the future of my career. <laughs> I will live long and prosper. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh,
2: I think that's all. I think uh, we've got to say goodbye to George.
1: Oh, we were having fun.
2: <laughs> Make me the bad guy. Uh, George is going to be signing uh, at 1130 downstairs, so you could get that. And uh, he's got photos at 250. And then he's signing again at three thirty, and I was just saying, Would you were just talking about George? You're going to be on the Paramount lot at later this year, shooting *Super Ninjas*. You're going to be two sound stages away from a certain J.J. Abrams shooting another *Star Trek* movie. <laughs> Who here would like to see him in that
0: movie?
2: <laughs> Send a recording to that to J.J. We'll see if he could. Uh, so, uh, thank you very much, George. Put in a good word for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all. It's been great sharing the morning with you. And live long and prosper.
2: Hi, folks. This is the Emperor. I'm here to remind you to listen to the Emperor's Court every Saturday from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern right here at vtwproductions.com. That's the Emperor's Court your three hour break from internet porn.